It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. Back here on the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM. Dave Ross here at South Point Casino in Las Vegas. Michael Lombardi back home in New Jersey. And, Michael, there's always a lot of chatter this time of year around the National Football League. We're getting to some of those coaching carousel potential new hires and new places. But let's talk about Tennessee with their upcoming game here against the Bengals. And they've had the week off. And we know that Derrick Henry had already been uh, kind of, you know, back to practice before week 18. Of course, he wasn't activated. He will be activated for this football game. They averaged 5.5 yards of play when he was uh, an active participant here with this football team. How does he change the dynamic? I mean, we all get how great he is individually, but if you're the Bengals and you're trying to defend them now, not knowing really how effective and how much usage he'll get, how does this change the game plan for both teams? Well, I, I think it doesn't change it at all for Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee has remained true to themselves. I mean, they have tried to throw the football, you know, regardless of who they've played, even when they didn't have them. I mean, it wasn't always successful, but they tried to. I mean, you know, look, the, for the last five games, they really ran the football effectively. They didn't run it very well against San Francisco, which is a hard team to run the ball on. But for the most part, they did. You know, uh, even in the Pittsburgh loss, they ran for 201 yards. This will help their passing game more. I think the matchup here is if Mike Hilton, if they line up Mike Hilton on A.J. Brown and try to play man, the question the Bengals coaches were going to ask themselves is he may have them covered, but is he going to be able to tackle them? Mm. Can we get them on the ground? And just watching Henry work out going through the bags, I saw no favoritism towards lower body. To me, he should be as good to go as anybody. The, the, the concern you have would be what's he going to be like in pass protection, but he's never really that involved in the pass protection. They usually get him out of the game and they change backs and they go with they go with another back to go in there and, and help in the, in the protection. McNichols is the guy they typically use. So, you know, I don't think that's a problem, you know, and I don't think his, he, I don't think his stamina will be affected either. I mean, you know, for, for all the games he's missed, Dave, he's still carried the ball 219 times this year. <laughs> he still almost had 1,000 yards rushing. You know, and he left after the Colt game. And what was that? Week seven? I mean, what was that? Like, like when was that? Was week? Yeah, was he in left after, was, Week eight? Yeah, week eight. Andy. He played half the season. He had nine hundred. I mean, this might actually be the best thing that ever happened to the Titans because he's he's going into the playoffs fresh, alive, 
Ugh. completely healthy, not a bump on his body. I just I can't mean, believe. And still has 900 carries. I mean, think about that. He still has 900 carries. You know, and so they he would have gone into this game with probably 1,500 carries. He's 700 fresh. <laughs> well, I just look at it and I marvel. Derrick Henry with a significant, what was it, Liz Frank? And then you got Cam Akers back off an Achilles in the same season? It's modern technology. Michael, I mean, how I, is this possible? I, I mean, I... Well, I mean, I'm writing about it. I mean, like in the book that I'm writing about, about the Hall of Fame, I'm, I'm talking. I mean, we talk about this as the medical miracles. I mean, you know, when I first started in the National Football League, my one of my jobs for Coach Walsh was any player who got taken to the hospital, I had to go over to the hospital with a, with a VCR, a VHS tape of Requiem for the Heavyweights, a Walkman radio, and, and music. And I had to take it to the, the person in the hospital, and I had to put it on the table and, and let them watch the movie and do all that. And so, and one time I went in there, and the great Fred Dean, and I underscore the word great Fred Dean, the greatest wow. pass rusher I ever witnessed in my life. I went in there. He just had ACL surgery. He had a cast all the way up to his knee, smoking a cigarette on the hospital bed. And he said, get that crap out of here. I don't need that. And so I retreated immediately like a good army. You know, I was out. So, but, I mean, he had a cast up to his, up to his, up to his thing, you know. And so the, the, the technology is different. You know, it's like why in the 2020 Olympics, you know, the, the guy runs 9-8, nine, nine, and the 1920 Olympics, he runs 10-8. Well, a lot of it has to do with the technologies, the shoes, and everything. And we're seeing it. it and these players are conditioning year-round. I mean, Ray Nitschke was selling insurance in the offseason. <laughs> By the way, don't think that that Fred Dean reference is lost on yours truly. That trade from San Diego to San Francisco and the way he got after the Cowboys in the NFC title game, he made a huge difference. Nobody ever talks about Fred Dean in that Dude. game. He was absolutely amazing. Yeah, no, he was one of the greatest pass rushers I've ever seen. They, we actually stole Gary Hands. The second Super Bowl we won, we had that whole f the defensive front, almost the whole defensive front. We had Gary Hands Johnson, Fred Dean, mm -hmm. and we had Louis Kelcher, the biggest human being <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Uh, we went to go get our Super Bowl rings at the at the. Uh, at this, I forget the name of the place. It was in San Francisco. It was the Museum of San Francisco. It was a beautiful venue, you know. And I saw Fred, I saw Louis Kelcher, and he had the biggest hands I ever seen. He was drinking 12-ounce beers, and the hand looked like, you know, those little Rolling Rock ponies you used to get, oh, you yeah. know? It looked like a Rolling Rock pony in his hand. Like, I mean, this is the biggest human being I've ever seen in my life. That team just caused me so much pain, and we just relived it right there. I, I had a moment right here on live television, Michael. Let's talk about those Niners and some of those injuries because, Michael, I, I said it, it is bizarre that you, you, the Niners are on a short week, and they're going to Lambeau Field, and they do have significant injuries here. We know that uh, Kyle Shanahan said that Jimmy G is limited uh, at best at practice, if he practices at all. We know Fred Warner, boy, he was limited with that ankle, which looked awful, but hopefully that's better news. Potentially, he's going to go. Elijah Mitchell, of course, was limited at practice on Tuesday. And then Nick Bosa in concussion protocol. So, Michael, when you have to evaluate well, the, that. Bosa's the big one. Yeah. Bosa's the big one. I mean, he, he's got to be able to get out of concussion protocol, right? And so, you know, I mean, he was now, you know, they said here on the injury report, you know, we don't have it yet. I haven't seen it yet. So, I don't know where he moves along. That's key for them. And, and what they did in that playoff game, Dave, against your Cowboys was they rotated nine defensive yes. linemen and they all created a problem for the – I mean, that was probably the biggest mishandicap that I had 
of the weekend is, is believing the Cowboys' offensive line could block this front. I really miscalculated that. And they're doing it with, with some guys they picked up off the wire. I mean, Jordan Willis from the Jets. Maurice Hurst gets cut from the, the Raiders. So does Arden Key. I mean, this isn't – and they made that trade for Omayu Oma from the, the, the Texans this offseason. And he's been a huge factor for them. So I think the two players – I think uh, Alshir has to play. He's a really fast linebacker. And when they're a better zone team when he's on the field. And then Warner's got to be able to run – and plant because this scheme is a zone scheme that relies on the underneath coverage and the quickness to be able to get into those areas to really uh, create some problems for Aaron Rodgers. Well, guilty is charged from yours truly as well, Michael. I, I was stunned the way Lael Collins and Tyron Smith and Connor Williams, that didn't surprise me that he didn't hold up. But some of the, the names that we expect the Cowboys O-linemen to hold up against some guys not named Nick Bosa. To your point, that rotation of the D-line was ingenious last week by the Niners, and they had their way with that, the Cowboys up front. Let's get to some head coaching uh, conversation here. And Matt Eberflus is going to get a second interview with the Jaguars. Michael, when you have a second interview with a guy, what are you looking at in that second one that maybe you didn't glean from the first one? Well, I think you probably want to go over staffing. You want to go over the vision. I think you've narrowed it down that you think he qualifies, and so now you want to take it to the next step. Okay, who's your offensive coordinator? Who can you get? You know, if you take this job, what will the offensive staff, defensive staff look like? What are you going to need in terms of from personnel? How can we rearrange this team? I think you're asking more specific questions about the team and his philosophy, you know, which, you know, is going to be, it, it would fit what they've done. It's, you know, they're, right now they're operating under the Baltimore Ravens style of defense. In the past, they have always operated under the the same system that Eberflus comes from, which is the Rod Marinelli play Tampa, play cover three, zone drop, read the quarterback. So I think that's what they would go to. To me, it's it's somewhat amazing that a team that that moved the football up and down the field on the Colts defense would say. I think that guy's really going to be the next best head coach we can hire. I really like that guy. Like, Very I mean, Al Davis would probably say, don't foul him out. Keep him in the game. You know, like, let's keep playing against him two years in a row. It's that you Jason know? Garrett like, philosophy like, in Dallas. It just blows me away. It blows me away that, you know, you basically kicked him out of the playoffs, partly because we know Ricky Fowler-Wentz was bad, but we also know the defense was horrendous. It totally was. And again, it's like, you know, Cowboy fans were sad to see Joe Judge go in New York, that sort of thing. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. I understand that. Speaking of the Giants, what about uh, uh, Joe Schoen? I don't know a whole lot about him, and I'm sure you do. Of course, he's the Bills' assistant GM. The Giants conducting that second interview there. Do you feel like this is something, a marriage that might happen here in New York? Well, I, I do. I think that, you know, maybe at all, I think a lot of it's going to depend on who they think is, is he going to bring Dayball with them? Or is he going to want to accept, uh, you know, who's he going to hire as his head coach? I think that's going to be really important too. Is it Brian Flores uh, part of it? I think they do like, I think the one thing John Mara liked was what Joe Judge brought to the table in terms of structure, you know, trying to hold players accountable, trying to play, you know, handle game management. None of it worked well for Joe. They're not denying this at all. But I do think the reason Mara didn't want to change is because he liked it. Right. He liked that kind of patriot way, if you will. And if he hired Dayball and he hired uh, hired uh, Flores, he continues to get that. And Schoen would bring some different flair from Buffalo. I think it's a really hard job in New York only because I think they're going to have to change dramatically. They're going to have to really judge the quarterback. 
I would think they would want Dayball to fix the quarterback if, in fact, he can. Well, very quickly, you got about a minute to go here. What about Mike McDaniel here? He's the Niners OC and the Dolphins uh, requesting to interview him. So it looks like that's going to happen uh, today. Does that feel like a marriage that might happen? I don't think so. For me, I mean, look, the, the, the guy running the team in San Francisco is Kyle Shanahan. I mean, it's just a fact. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, it's just a fact. I mean, he runs the offense. I mean, he designs it. It's his team. I'm sure Mike McDaniel learned at it, but for the practicalities of it all are coming from Kyle. All right, let's see how those uh, coaching carousels continue as they try to fill those seats here as we get closer and closer to the end of the postseason. All right, when we come back here, Michael, Harry Gagnon is going to join us here, a respected handicapper. My man, Harry. We're going to talk to Harry when we come back right here on the Lombardi Line on VEASAN, the sports betting line. But I, I'm with them the other three. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VEASAN.com to check the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights of where the money and bets are moving for every game. You're going to be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. Data is available for money line over-unders and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way. VEASAN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at VEASAN.com. Dave Ross alongside Michael Lombardi. This is the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN. A pleasure to have Harry Gagnon join us now, handicapper, former Vegas sportsbook supervisor and Against All Odds podcast with Cousin Sal. Harry, great to have you on the program with Michael and myself. Let's get to some of your plays that you like in this uh, divisional round of the playoffs. We've been talking a lot about the Bengals and the Titans. We know the King, Derrick Henry, is going to be back. Does that dissuade you maybe if you're a Bengals backer? Hey, guys, no, you know what? I'm, I'm all over the Bengals here. I gave them out on against a lot before the playoffs started. I have them playing Green Bay in the Super Bowl. Um, look, I like the wow. three and a half here. Yeah, yeah. I'm, listen, I, listen I'm, I'm, we're still unsure. I, well, Henry may be going, but we're not sure how much he's going to play in this game, how much he's going to factor in, how it's going to weigh in on this. Uh, Cincinnati won. Two games last year, guys. Two games last year with Joe Burrow at quarterback versus Jacksonville, and they beat the Titans by 11. He outplayed Tannehill in that game, and on Saturday I think he's going again. I know the defensive line for Tennessee is fantastic. Harold Landry's got 12 sacks. Defensive tackle Jeffrey Simmons, eight and a half. If the Cincinnati offensive line, which is a little banged up, can hold up, guys, I think this is a situation where it's going to be bombs away for Joe Burrow with Higgins, Boyd, and Chase against the 25th-ranked pass defense of the Titans. And also, don't forget, Mixon's a great receiver on the backfield, too. I think this is a situation where just Tennessee doesn't have enough. I don't know if Tanny Hilton gets, if, 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 if Henry can't really get going and get a feel for it and they will have to rely on Tannehill, I don't think he gets it done. I think just right now, the way the Bengals are, what they've done, I think they get it done here. But I will take the three and a half just in case. 
hey, Harry, let me ask you, what, are you worried at all about the, you know, the, the stage, the, you know, the up in class? I mean, look, the Raider game, they benefited. I mean, that game was for the Raiders to take. That really was. I mean, it came down to Carr's decision to, th- to spike it and Carr's decision to throw short of the end zone. But the health of the Bengals, and I worry about the next stage. That You know, it's the next round. Do they have enough? Are they savvy enough? Are they experienced enough? That's what I would be concerned. You're not? I, I, you know, a, a little bit. You're right, Mike. Absolutely. Definitely a little bit here. But just, boy. It just—he really is Joe Cool, Joe Burrow, isn't he? Just what he did at LSU, how he won the national championship, and then moved on here to Cincinnati. Kept the injury in the second half of the season last year, but he's matured. And, and before, before the end, the last two games before they played the game against Cleveland in the regular season, where he didn't play much uh, and didn't matter for them because they were already locked into winning the uh, AFC North. His two games before that, he had almost a thousand yards. Almost ten touchdowns in those two games. He's just rolling. I just think that the, the chemistry he had with Chase at LSU, and that he has right now with him at Cincinnati. And listen, Higgins and Boyd, like I mentioned, fantastic wide receivers too. I think as long as the key, the key is the, the Cincinnati offensive line. If they can give him enough time, he's going to find these guys, and I think they can win this game. Talking with handicapper Harry Gagnon. Follow him on Twitter at AAO Harry. Let's talk about the NFC here with the Packers against the Niners here. And the number now has gone up to six. We know that Niners do have some injury concerns here, Harry, as well. And it feels like the Packers are getting healthy. It's six now at BetMGM. What do you make of this number? And do you think the, the home team might get some traction at Lambeau Field? I like Green Bay here. I mean, San Francisco played a great game last week, especially defensively. Uh, Emmanuel Mosley played a great game. I mean, he had 12 tackles for San Francisco, but they're banged up all over the place. Jimmy G's got the shoulder. He's got the finger at you. Elijah Mitchell had a nice game, too, last week, but he's banged up as well. I think it's just Green Bay got nothing, had nothing to do last week except get healthy. Uh, Jahari Alexander, Darius Smith are going to be back. It's Green Bay at home, guys. You just know this is, this is the way it goes. They're 8 0 this season. Seven of those games were by eight points or more. Uh, and again, you've got the 1 2 combo running back with Dylan and Jones. They had like 1,600 yards combined this season. And of course, Aaron Rodgers with, with, uh, against, uh, with, with Adams as well. I just think this is a situation where it's going to be too much for San Francisco. The Niners may hang in there because. They're balanced. They're balanced on offense. They're balanced on defense. They've been they're in the top ten in all statistical categories on offense and defense. But still, overall, I think Green Bay wins this game going away. Maybe goes under. I kind of lean leaning towards the under here. With the weather supposed to be really cold in Green Bay on Saturday night, but I'm going to lean towards Green Bay to cover and a little bit towards the under. You know, when you watch the first game, I mean, San Francisco played horrendous in the first half. I mean, they scored a touchdown right at the end of the half to make it 17-7. But they really put themselves, you know, at such a disadvantage. And, you know, Crosby's 51-yard field goal right as the clock expires, you know, wins the game. I worry about Crosby in this game. I, I really worry about Crosby. I mean... I worry that they're able; they're not going to be able to, uh, to you know, to make that cr- critical kick. Especially, I don't think he's going to make a 51-yarder, as you mentioned, Harry, in the cold. I'm worried about San Francisco's injury. There's no doubt. I think for me, this line moving seems to be- make me believe Bosa's not going to play, Oof. and I think that would be a real critical factor. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. If Bosa not playing, it would, it would be huge. And, yeah, Crosby hasn't had that good of a season. He's missed, he missed a lot of critical kicks. I, I would worry about that a little bit on the Green Bay side. And overall, the past couple of years, San Fran has kind of had Green Bay's number. I know, like you mentioned earlier this season, Mike, uh, that uh, Green Bay did pull out the game against San Fran, but it was close. It was only a two-point game. Uh, but in this spot here, Green Bay at home, you know, looking towards the Rams and the, and, and, uh, the, Buc- or the Buccaneers next week, Green Bay just doesn't go one and out. They've just been dominating all year. And like I said, uh, seven of their eight wins at home by eight points or more. That one eight-point eight game was against the Rams, uh, but beating everybody else by double digits at home. And I guess and, I just, and San Fran's had a nice season. You have to definitely, if you're Green Bay, you have to definitely worry about Debo Samuel running the ball, receiving the ball. He's been fantastic. He's probably the most dynamic player in the NFL right now when it comes to doing both. But overall, and they had a nice game against Dallas last week and got in the end zone. But I still think it's Green Bay's time here uh, in the NFC, and I think uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers move on. All right, gentlemen, let's talk about what it feels like the feature bout of the weekend, if you will, and that's the heavyweight bout between the Bills and the Chiefs mm-hmm. in Kansas City. Feels like the AFC title is on the line here in this one, Harry. I know that you have the Bengals going to the Super Bowl, though. What do you make of the Bills getting two? Are they going to need the two, or can they win this thing outright? Guys, I think they win this game outright. Just alone with the odds makers setting the game at two, uh, making the Bills a two-point dog. They're not even giving Kansas City and Andy Reid the credit they probably deserve of being a, at least a three-point. You get three points from being home in the first place. Uh, but maybe this is a, the line is set this way because the Bills did take care of Kansas City earlier this season by 18 points in Arrowhead. Uh, Josh Allen looked great in that game. He looked fantastic last week in the cold uh, with the five-touchdown performance. Uh, but overall, I think, you know, and he's outshined Mahomes this year. He definitely had a better season than Mahomes. Uh, I'm worried about the uh, uh, the Kansas City running game. Uh, McKinnon did a nice job but everyone uh, last week, but I don't know if they're going to be able to run the ball. They have to just straight-up pass against this Bills defense, which is first in passing yards against, points against, uh, you know, uh, and uh, like I said, they're first in yards against in the NFL. Uh, Micah Hyde. And uh, and Jordan Poyer, probably the best one-two safeties in the league. Um, Hyde had a pick last week uh, in their win. I, I think there's a situation where maybe this gets a little – if Bills do the same thing they did in the first time when they played against Kansas City this year and get out to a lead and have to have Kansas City and Mahomes pass the ball. Mahomes had plenty of interceptions this year. He had some games where he – in red zone picks, and, that was, and he had a couple against the Bills earlier this season, too. I just think overall here right now, the way the Bills are playing, what they've shown, and what they did against uh, Belichick and the Patriots last week, I think it's too much here, and I think the Bills get it done. Yeah, I mean, the last time they played, Mahomes had to throw it 54 times. And, you know, he threw two mm-hmm. picks in the game. He got p- constant pressure. You know, they, they did a great job. I mean, in the last time they played, I mean, Josh Allen only threw it 26 times. Now, Josh right. Allen was the leading, you know, the leading rusher. He had 11 carries for 59 yards. I mean, that's going to be the game, right? I mean, they're going to run him, and, and I think that really hurts the, them. I'm with you. I think Buffalo's going to be hard to beat. Harry, very quickly, about 30 seconds to go. I want to get your thoughts on the other game here. Rams against the, the Bucks. you got to lean in this one. Which way are you leaning? You know what, guys? I'm leaning towards the Rams. Tampa Bay still with injuries. Fournette was supposed to go last week. Didn't make it, uh, didn't make it into the starting lineup. Um, I know McVay lost to Brady in the Super Bowl as uh, Brady was a Patriot, but with Brady in a Bucks uniform, he is 0-2 against Sean McVay. Uh, 
got steamrolled both times. Uh, really, uh, lost uh, with a. Uh, um, both, like both missed prime time games, lost both of them against McVeigh. I think there's a situation where now you have Von Miller and Beckham on this team, and the way the Rams dominated Arizona, they got the confidence going. I, I, I like uh, I, I like and Stafford 340 yards and four touchdowns this year against the Bucks. I'm leaning towards the Rams over Brady. All right, Harry, always appreciate the time and the information. Again, thanks, Harry. Against all odds, podcast with cousin Sal. Appreciate that as well. Coming back with Lufa and Akira right here in the. Party on on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. It is never too early to prepare for the big game, and we want to make sure VEASAN is a part of your plans. We're going to be with you throughout the playoffs, and then on Championship Weekend, we've got 56 hours of free video coverage on VEASAN.com, leading up to the sixth annual live big game BetCast. It's the biggest game of the year, so make plans now to join VEASAN, the betting experts before, during, and after all the action on VEASAN.com. Com. Dave Ross back alongside Michael Lombardi here on the Lombardi Line. And, Michael, you know I love having our guy Gam Lou, Lou Finicaro, joining us here each and every Wednesday. Follow him on Twitter, as I do, at Gam Lou. Does a great job here at the VEASAN uh, Point Spread Weekly contributor. Lou, let's get right to it in the NFL. And it was great having Harry on in the last segment, getting his thoughts. Let's get to yours. And I know you've been on a lot of totals this year, and you've been very profitable in that exercise. What about the Bengals and the Titans here? You've been playing a lot of unders, but, Lou, I think you might flip the script on this one. I might flip the script because normally Dave and and Michael and Dave, thanks so much for having me on every week, all year. Uh, It's great learning from you both. As far as this game's concerned, I, I do go into these looking for dogs and looking for unders. But when the handicap tells me otherwise, I think I have to take it the other way. With Tennessee... I think there's some great advantages that I have to recognize. Rest, home team. They've got the experienced coach and the experienced quarterback from two years ago, and I put a lot of merit on hunger and teams that got close and got their nose rubbed in it and want to kick the door in and finally get there. I really think Tennessee has a lot of those intangibles. Donta Foreman, I'm not afraid of him at all. He he could not run behind the San Francisco offense or maybe behind the Dallas offense, but he's perfect for Tennessee. And if I can get a few carries out of... Uh, uh, Derrick Henry? Thank you so much, Derrick Henry. That's going to be gravy. But in the game, I think Tennessee is going to attack Cincinnati right down the throat. I think it's possible they score some form of points on every drive. And I think the game with Burrow, a quarterback I respect, and an offense that can put points up, I think that we're going to see points in the game. And I think it's a Tennessee uh, performance that will really set them up to be a solid home team facing whichever other team they face out of Buffalo and Kansas City. You know, my concern is on the over is I think if you 
if you really, you know, now look, the, ten, the, the Houston game was 28-25, and Houston in the second half moved the football effectively on them. So, you know, and that was an important game. There's no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, Miami, when Miami came in there, Miami couldn't do anything. Once it started raining, Tua, it was over with for Tua. That was the end of that. And the San Francisco game, two really good offenses. We know Garoppolo was hurt. He turned the ball over in the red zone. That's a 2017. I think the pace of the game for Tennessee is limit possessions eight to nine and try to limit the big playability and make Cincinnati eat as much clock up as they eat up to kind of keep this game down. So I, I think of a correlation play here in terms of taking the Titans and taking the under. But, you know, sometimes this Titans defense, if you indicated, Lou, they, they just kind of leak a little bit too much, especially in the second half, and I think it could be a problem. Yeah, absolutely, gentlemen. Let's talk about another one. And this one made my eyes light up here, Lou, because I see this handicap the same way you do. You look at the Rams in their front, and you look at the Bucks in their front, and you go, oh, my goodness, how are you going to score points? Well, you're not going to run the ball, so it might be Brady and Stafford through the air. You like the over in this one right now, 48-and-a-half here at BetMGM. Is that the rationale behind it? Yes, it, it, the rationale is is quarterbacks. The rationale is defenses that have been – Porous, although we didn't really get to see much test of uh, the Rams defense last week. I also really like the fact that earlier in the season, it was Tampa high flying, went into LA and got beat. There's some, I believe there's a chip there. We may not call it as far as revenge, but Tampa's got their ears back here. And I think they're going to put the ball up. Uh, against uh, the Rams, and I especially believe that Gronkowski could have a really big game in this one, uh, attacking the middle of that L.A. Ram defense. Well, I don't think Weddle's going to cover him, that's for sure. And I think for, uh, you know, the other thing is, is, you know, they lost Gronk in that, and I think they lost Gronk in the second quarter with his ribs in the last game. They lost Fournette in the first quarter of the last game. So they lost two of their key players, and I think that's not going to be the case. What worries me is, is Deshaun Jackson, you know, got behind the Bucks defense three times and you know Stafford struggled to get to the ball to him but that won't happen again because Deshaun's not there Beckham's there and I think Todd Bowles I agree with you Lou I think Todd Bowles will make really good adjustments in this game to try to help himself they've got to play better up front I mean the most disappointing thing watching that tape yesterday was how the Rams offensive line blocked the Bucks front yeah, no question about it, gentlemen. I do think you'll see a different game script. But, Lou, you're right. There is going to be a chip on the shoulder for the Buccaneers, and I'm with you there. I do expect points in this one. Bills and the Chiefs, the Chiefs, it's got a feel of an AFC title game here, Lou, in Kansas City. We saw what Buffalo did the first time they went there in the regular season. Will it be different in the postseason? Well, I think this is going to be a really excellent game. And again, I, I, I do believe Kansas City's been there. They're on top and protecting. And Buffalo has gotten close and gotten their nose rubbed in it. I think this is a compelling game. And just let's say it like this, team with the ball last wins. Yeah, I don't doubt that. And both got, both field goal kickers are good in this game, too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I know it's going to be cold and both teams are used to playing. I think you're right. I think this is one of those – and the way the line is, Lou, it just seems so – you know, you're not getting any advantage. This is – why wouldn't you just play the money line on either team? 
I totally agree. Pick the winner in the playoffs. Find the team that's going to win. Don't worry about the point spread. You'll be just fine. Yeah, and Steve Mackinnon had great numbers to that point there, gentlemen, that we had in the first hour. The, the, the winners have been covering as well. So I think that's a very prudent information to give out. Lou, I know that when the games are over on Saturday, Michael's going to flip over to the UFC 270 like I know <laughs> we are, and we're going to watch the two baddest men on the planet right now, Francis Ngannou against Cyril Ghan. You and I are going to talk about this much more on Friday on First Strike. Shameless plug here on VEASAN. But boy, oh boy, oh boy. You look at the Predator now as a solid underdog. I'm seeing somewhere up to plus 140, Lou. What do you make of this? And I know we liked Cyril gone when he was either plus money or at minus, one, minus 110. Is there still value in the Frenchman? Well, uh the time to take gone was a week ago when we took him. And the, the line bounced up. It's settled down. There's been some Nganu uh, buyback. This is going to be an excellent fight, stylistic fight. Nganu, explosive but profusely powerful. However, he is a fighter learning how to be a mixed martial artist, an athlete learning how to be a mixed martial artist. Ghani is a polished mixed martial artist, and he has legs, feet, athleticism, and I do believe that he is a rightful minus 140 favorite in this fight. That's how I handicap it, and that's how I would recommend people play it. Ghani up to 140. Anything past that, uh, you know, maybe 150, but that's the limit. Okay, but very quickly, we know the over-under set at two and a half. Do you think that Gan tries to take the Predator into deep waters to tire out and, and exhaust some of that gas tank from the Predator? Or do you think somehow this gets stopped either way inside that two and a half round limit? Yeah, Gan's plan must be to take this fight into the fourth or fifth round. That's when he can get rid of Ngannou. No sooner. Ngannou isn't going to fall easy. No. This is an overfight and a gone fight. All right. That's the way Lou Finicaro handicaps that one. The co-main event, my goodness. Viva La Mexico. We know that the first Mexican-born champion in the UFC, of course, Brandon Moreno, is going to defend that strap for the first time against his nemesis now in Davison Figueredo here in the trilogy match. Matchup this time around, uh, Figueredo is going to be looking at it like, hey, I thought I won the first fight, but it was a draw. Then he gets stopped in the second. Is it going to be different? Is it Ann Still or will it be Ann New? It's going to be completely dependent on the weigh-ins Friday morning. Figueredo has struggled with 125 in both of his last two fights against Moreno. If he struggles with his weight, it's and still. And if he's the first one to step on the scale and he weighs in perfect, I'll have a lot of other thoughts. Okay, cannot wait to see that because you do dive into those uh, into those stare downs and certainly what you see for the weight cuts. Very quickly, we know we got a Nurmagomedov on the card. No, not that one. We got Saeed Nurmagomedov against Cody Stammen right here. Uh, Saeed is a big favorite here, minus 200. Any danger for Saeed against the, the puncher and Cody in this one, or is this going to be what we expect? And Cody's more than a puncher. He's got a solid wrestling base. He's a good, solid fighter, and he fights a little bit with a chip. I expect him to have a chip in this fight, and I regard him as live. Okay, plus 165 right now on Cody on the comeback. Hey, Lou, always appreciate it. Can't wait again to talk to you more. Uh, first strike on Friday. We'll dive deeper into these bouts. But, again, great handicapping on the football. And, of course, I always have to ask about UFC with you, my friend. So there he is. Check him out, Gamblu. Follow him on Twitter and also the Bout Business Podcast. It's short. It's sweet. It's to the point. It's Lou Finnecaro. Appreciate you, Lou. 
Thanks so much, Michael, Dave. Good luck to everyone. Thank you, Lou. Appreciate you. Bye-bye. When we come back, Michael, we're going to talk more about what we got coming up in the divisional round of the playoffs. Come on back. It's the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. GM welcomes you with a special offer in the NBA. Simply place a $10 money line wager on any game, and if either team hits a three-pointer, you're going to win 200 bucks in free bets regardless of your bet's outcome. Just use the bonus code VEASAN200 when you make your very first wager. Plus, you're going to earn M-Life rewards that can be redeemed for rooms and dining at any MGM resort. BetMGM is proud to be an authorized gaming partner of the NBA. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com. Use the bonus code VEASAN200 to win 200 bucks in free bets if a three-pointer is made in the game you wager on. Eligibility restrictions do apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued is non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi or Nevada. Dave Ross alongside Michael Lombardi as we wrap up. What I always find to be a very riveting conversation on a Wednesday as we go through the National Football League, Michael. And what I love about today's show is we get Harry Gagnon on, we get Lou Finnecaro on, we get Steve Mackinnon on. So I think we give the people, and of course your insights and your numbers, we give the people out there the best tools to access which way they think these games are going to go from a monetary standpoint when we get to the weekend. The lines are so tight these days when you only have four games. They're all under the microscope, Michael. How do you separate? And really, I don't recall with the the biggest spread being six in Green Bay, where you get this tight, uh, just basically, you know, two, one and a half in Buffalo, looking at three, two and a half in Tampa Bay, you know, three and a half in, in Tennessee. I mean, these games are razor thin. How do you separate them when you try to really put it in context to make a profit? Yeah, you know, I think you really have to do a good job of breaking down how these teams handle situational football, right? And so, you know, the the 49ers, the last time they played in can in in Candlestick in 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 Santa Clara, they were minus three. The line was the Vegas line was minus three San Francisco. Now it's, you know, they're minus six. I mean, they're plus six. They're getting six points. I mean, that's a nine-point swing, mm. right? Yeah. I mean, that's a nine-point swing based on, you know, based on – and the Niners are playing way better football right now than they were back then. Yeah, they've changed their so, identity too, right? That the, the, Especially yeah, – I yeah. mean, it's – to me, it's a huge, huge, you know, number. You know, all these teams in rematch weekend are different. All these teams are different. Kansas City's playing in a much different style of defense in terms of their their execution. Buffalo's offense is back, is running the ball more with Allen at quarterback. Their offense is slightly different. Uh, you know, the Tampa Bay team is different because of injuries, concerns with their offensive line. The Rams are different, really trying to rely more on the run game, although I think the Rams know they'll have a hard time running against Tampa in Tampa. And, and I think San Francisco, of all these rematches, they're playing at a higher level now than they did in Week 3. And Green Bay, defensively, is not playing at that same level, nor is their special teams anywhere near 
their level's always bad. So I think it's fascinating how these lines are so tight. And the one game that's that everybody's running into bed is Green Bay because everybody trusts Ro- in Rodgers. We trust, and I think it's kind of interesting. You know that line is. On our numbers that we look at on a daily basis is, you know, it's it's the, the ticket counts pretty even and the money is really even. Mm. Like no one is betting the Bengals and yet that line is staying pretty much status quo. No one is betting Tampa Bay and yet that line is staying pretty much there. No one is betting Kansas City and that line is moving. So it's fascinating how this all works. Well, getting back to the Green Bay side very quickly here, Michael, and it looks like they're going to get uh, Jair Alexander back for this one and maybe Zadarius Smith here and get the, the, the Smith brothers uh, that pass rush with, with uh, Preston back as well. How much can you trust guys that haven't played a large part of the season? We'll get back to Derrick Henry here in a second, but for Green Bay side defensively, can you plug and play those guys and say, all right, I expect I them to get Is it? It's hard. You know, and I mean, look, the, the one thing about the last game – is the 49ers couldn't run the ball. They had 21 carries for 67 yards. I mean, the first touchdown, Trey Lance scored it on. uh, They put him in to run the short yardage play, you know, and so they really struggled to run the football. Mitchell wasn't running in this game. You know, this was a Trey Sherman game, Mm. you know, and and he was the main back. You know, he had 10 carries, just 31 yards, you know, so they're a different team. And even though the Packers are going to get, maybe they get Bakari back, but if he's going against Nick Bosa, that's a welcome back to the NFL. You know, the NFL, especially offensive linemen, it's a, it, it takes reps and, you know, it's hard just to go out there and play great. And so I, I think it's going to be a challenge. And with weather coming in and all that, 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 that lends itself to making it harder to get loose, to feel comfortable. I think it's a challenge. I mean, as of right now, you know, on my board here, I have, you know, the weather, you know, going to be somewhere around the, the low teens, which is kind of balmy for, uh, <laughs> yeah. for Green Bay. It is. I don't think we have uh, weather concerns in Tampa Bay. And speaking of new guys and how much you can really expect out of them, I didn't really see if Eric Weddle, how many snaps he got uh, in the game Monday night against Arizona. But I have to think that if Tom Brady sees Weddle out there, He's going to try to manipulate that potential mismatch yeah. on X receiver, isn't he? Yeah, you would think so. And then I think the other thing, if Tom Brady, you got Sean Hockley doing the game. Mm. You got to say, look, look, now it's not Hockley's crew, right? But Hockley was there, and you, I know I hate to bring up a bad memory for you, but Hockley was the official on Thanksgiving Day. Oh, boy. And that was his crew that called a bunch of pass interference calls. You know, I've, if I'm the Bucks or the Rams, I'm going to see what this crew's going to call. Hockley loves to call. Now, you know, he, he's not good to the home team. He's a 41% home referee. Ron Tolbert. Now, Ron Tolbert has the, has the Green Bay game. And Ron Tolbert, this is just a little FYI, his career home record is 44-62. He lends himself to the visiting team. Wow. Now, that's not his crew. So these numbers, be careful when I say these numbers, because this number is associated to his crew. These are the all-star crews, right? Right. And typically, I believe this is the round that the Super Bowl gets the referee from. Right, because we know Jerome Bogus crew that they will not be working this weekend. He's out. And usually it's not the wild card round, you know. And we haven't seen my man Scott Novak. I mean, don't tell me he's going to do a divisional game. That'll be brutal. <laughs> but anyway, so if, if, I'm, if I'm the 49ers if, and I know – if I'm the Bucks and I know I got Hockley, the deep ball could be in play here. you got to take a little bit of a chance. 
I know that there's going to be a prop out there because there's a prop on everything these days on carries for, say, a guy like the King, Derrick Henry, when he comes back. Michael, if you had to set that number of what you expect in, uh, in a game right now, they're favored by three and a half over Cincinnati. What do you think? What do you think realistically he gets in that playoff game? I think he's going to, I don't think they're going to, I don't think he's not going to be on pitch count. I mean, once he's cleared, he's cleared. You know, do I think they'll rotate Foreman in? Sure, but I think, you know, Look, there's no turning home. I mean, you can't check the bags. You got to go all the way through here now. This is winner, winner, go home. What are we saving them for? If we're dressing them, we're playing them, right? Like, what are we saving them for? Like, uh, you know, I watched him work out. He looked good to me in that workout, going through the bags. You know that bag drill we saw yeah. at, on Twitter that you see. That's a that's a classic New England drill. They do that every day, and he went through those bags effortlessly. So uh, I'm sure they're going to want to make sure his stamina is good. They're going to want to make sure that you know he gets some rest. But no, there's what are we what are we saving him for? There I mean, is look, no. He tomorrow. already had 900 carries. You know. Yeah. Right. This is the. This is uh, you know. This is. Uh, Apollo telling Rocky, there is no tomorrow. Like, we, we got to go win this thing today because we got to go. Yeah, yeah we got to go. I mean, you know, this is it. What, what, are, we, what are we hoping for? What you about, know, I mean, so. Yeah, what about playoff Lenny? Now, he tweeted out, Michael, that he's going to be back. I'll see you on Sundays. What he tweeted, right? So, you know, Bruce Arians. Who said that? Uh, uh, Leonard Fournette, right? He said, and you know, Bruce oh, yeah, Arians. He's going to play. Right. Like, that's why Antonio Brown's he, no longer there because he wouldn't play. He's going to play. I mean, look, he just couldn't go last week, you know. But their injury list is huge. I mean, their injury list is is you know worth is questionable. Ronald Jones, can he go? You know, we know Devin White and we know Carlton Davis. He heard an abdomen and they listed him as questionable. They got to get Pierre Paul back in there. He, you know, that that helps them. That really helps them. And so, you know, I, I think they've got to become healthy. But Bernard played in the last game when they played in Los Angeles, and he was effective in that game. But I do think this is a game that they must be able to. Now, you know, Vaughn Miller's on the injury report for the, for the Rams. I mean, he's listed as questionable going into this game as well. So we'll see. But about a minute to go, very quickly, if Tristan Wirfs can't go, we know he was just a stud for Tom Brady That's the last problem. two years. Right? How, do you, how does Brady manipulate that so, so it somehow doesn't rear its ugly head in the game, Michael? How do the great ones do that? They shift the motion, they change the protection, they slide the protection, and Brady will tell, the, tell this kid, you set inside out, Don't, you know, I'll step up in the pocket, just run him by the passer, I'll step up, don't let him beat you inside. That's the most critical thing. I need about two more hours to discuss that with you, Michael, because that stuff fascinates me from somebody <laughs> who never understood line play at all. Uh, Michael, always appreciate the conversation, as always. Uh, Steve Mackinan, Harry Gagnon, and of course, Lou Finicaro for joining us here today on the Lombardi Line. Patrick We'll be back in the chair tomorrow, Michael. Enjoy the football, my friend, this weekend. I'll catch up with you again next week. Thank you, David. All right, there he is, Michael Lombardi, everybody. Don't go anywhere. we got you covered all afternoon long right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.